Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of all things film and television. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. This week we are doing one of our, I guess, semi-annual, right? What we're watching episode. A little uh, freeform talk about the things that we've been watching, stuff that we haven't really covered on the pod, and maybe just some things that we had thoughts on, but nothing to fill a whole episode on, so... Maybe some movies, some TV, pretty much just a shoot the shit episode. So what have you guys been watching? Who wants to start? Uh, I can start. There are a couple things that I think overlap between us, Jeff. So we could probably start with those. Uh, I know we both finish the new Apple TV Plus series Severance, right? Yeah. I mean, behind the scenes a little bit. We were talking about this being like a full-fledged episode for us, but ultimately I think a lot of other shows came up and a lot of other movies came up. So ultimately, it's kind of pushed to this episode. But overall impressions, I did like it. I think I wouldn't describe it as breakneck pace. You know, I think it is a little bit of a slow burn. But I think it does give us a pretty satisfying ending. I'm definitely looking forward to a second season. Um, what were your overall thoughts, Jeff? Uh, I love the show. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Probably the best season ender, season finale since like... I don't know, lost or something. <laughs> that final episode was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So if you guys don't know what the show is about, it's a workplace sci-fi drama created by Dan Erickson and Ben Stiller actually directs a lot of the episodes. So he's a big creative force behind it. It stars uh, Adam Scott, Christopher Walken, John Turturro, Britt Lauer, uh, Zach Cherry. Yeah, so it's about this mysterious tech company called Lumen Industries, and they use this medical procedure to separate the work memories and the non-work memories of their employees. They separate them in their brains. like So when you go to work, you don't remember anything from your uh, personal life, and then when you clock out of work, you don't remember anything from work. Really interesting concept and very, very weird show. I would say... That it's a slow burn because there's a lot of building of like the ambiance with Lumen Industries. This shows like some really great production design. I think like the office is very ominous in its like minimalism. I think it's really, really Mm -hmm. cool, well designed. The the weird like 1970s kind of. Yeah. I mean, have you watched it? Any of it? Some of it. I haven't seen some of it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I thought the finale was fantastic. All the actors do a great job. Uh, great sci-fi premise. And I'm really, really excited to see where the show goes in its second season. If I were to have some criticisms for this show, or at least the first season, I think it really only focuses heavily on the Adam Scott character and the Heli character a little mm-hmm. bit. But I mean, I think that the John Turturro and I apologize i don't remember the the last cast member the uh zach cherry zach cherry yeah that. yeah the dylan yeah, character yeah. played by zach cherry i think like kind of get left to the wayside a little bit like a little bit i think the premise is super interesting in the fact that like i'm really curious like what would lead a person to want to like sever their mind right like mm-hmm. what makes it so that someone 
chooses to, for eight hours a day, lose all memory of that, right? And separate part of your mind um, from like work self versus personal self, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the show does a really good job of diving into like why Adam Scott does it. And you don't really dive too much into why the Heli character played by Britt Lower wants to do it until pretty much the very end. I think, the last episode. Get, like, yeah, 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 I was going to say. Yeah, so you, you get a sense of it like right at the end. But you really still don't know like the motivation of John Turturro or the Zach Cherry character. And I, I'm hoping that maybe a season two will dive more into that. Yeah. Maybe even more of a balance between like outside and inside. Yeah. But I agree that it feels a lot like Lost in the sense that like it's great world building. It sets up a mystery and it isn't quite fascinated with answering all those questions just yet. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I like that it's it's a little bit more of a slow burn. We don't get all the answers by the end of the season. Uh, but I think we do get some crucial ones, right? And yeah. And the last episode especially kind of has a setup that like I hope they don't abandon. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like the idea of, I mean, spoilers for the end of this season, but like the innies being able to be out in the real world. Like I hope that's something we still get to see, um, because I found that episode just super fascinating, super compelling. I think. Yeah, Helly's a great character. I think Britt Lauer does a great job mm-hmm. with her, and the final episode is just a rug pull for her character, and I, I fucking love that. It was very yeah. well executed, and. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised too much by, like, plot twists or anything that much anymore, but this one really got me. Yeah. And it made sense. It's not just like, oh, like, you know, uh, just for shock value. It it, it made sense mm-hmm. within the mythology of the show, and it, it got me. Uh, and I also yeah. say Zach Cherry does a great job. He's not particularly, like, a dramatic character that I think of immediately when I think of these types of roles. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know who he is, he plays a bunch of recurring roles in the MCU. Yeah. He is the guy in Spider-Man Homecoming where he's like, hey, Spider-Man, do a backflip. He's like the the food truck guy there. And then in Shang-Chi, he is the streamer that records their fight on the bus. I feel like there's the same character, right? It must be. Yeah, I think they said that in that universe. It's, yeah, it's the same yeah, person. It's the same yeah. guy. Um, but... Uh, he gets to flex his dramatic muscles here a little bit. He's still funny. He's still, like, uh, got some yeah. comic relief. But he does a good job there. Yeah. He definitely gets the most to do by the last episode. Yeah. Or he gets yeah, a lot yeah. more to do in the last episode. And, like, that's why I really wish we did get a little bit more. Because I think yeah. he, him and the John Turturro character are, like, super fascinating. I just wish we got more. Got a little more. Yeah, yeah. It's a color in there, backstories and stuff. But definitely, I mean, if you like weird sci-fi things I, I think this is definitely one to catch up on i thought it was a really good show yeah you guys want to talk about how zach cherry looks like a young Stephen mckinley anderson oh what? yeah i can see that <laughs> kind of like a through line with devs right that's kind of funny actually yeah devs yeah uh dune <laughs> yeah dune exactly oh shit he does i don't see them play like father and son or something or, or yeah right yeah <laughs> even yeah, like grandfather grandson i don't know yeah uh, yeah 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 now I'm never I could be able to unsee it now. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> You're very welcome. Just keeping in the same vein, another thing that we, I think at least me and Jeff have watched and we thought about doing, but again, kind of ran out of time or didn't really have the space to, to add an episode on this. So I do want to talk a little bit about the unbearable weight of massive talent. Mm. You know, the new Nicolas Cage movie where he basically kind of plays a caricature of himself and then he's wrapped into this CIA cartel business that involves a character played by Pedro Pascal. I really enjoyed the movie. It's a great look back at 
Nicolas Cage's career, but also being very meta and like not even meta in the sense of his own career, but even just meta in the sense of like studio development, movie development mm-hmm. um, in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. And it's funny the way like the movie's framed as like, flipping from one genre to another just because that's what people in the audience love. I think that the dynamic between Pedro Pascal and, and Nicolas Cage is great. I thought mm-hmm. I really did believe that they were like people that liked each other and like and were actually becoming friends by the end of this movie. And I only bring it up because, you know, I think we've talked about a couple of Nick Cage things on this podcast. And I definitely am happy to see him in more and more things that hopefully end up on <laughs> in a movie theater rather than just VOD. Mm-hmm. Amir, did you see this? I actually didn't. So all I can say is uh, definitely go see Pig if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, we all loved that last year. And um, Nicolas Cage recently had an interview where he talked about, I guess he was talking about Unbearable Weight, but he also was talking about some of his recent projects. And Pig is like one of the favorite things he did in his entire career. I think it was like a Reddit AMA or something like that. Yeah. He did, he did something that was a great he was doing a career retrospective. And, and I was really gratified to hear that he enjoyed the project as much as we all do it. So, yeah, definitely check Pig out. Check this one out, too. So far, everyone seems to have really liked it. When they first announced this, I was like, this kind of seems a little cringe. I don't know if it's going to actually be funny. It was a 50-50 <laughs> shot, I think, of being funny or, like, really yeah. maybe yeah, embarrassing. I, like, oh, I, don't, I don't know about this. And he's going to play right into that, like, kind of meme Nicolas Cage yeah, exactly. thing. Like, all right, this is a swing for the fence. It's going to really, really, really try not to suck. Um, but, yeah, it ended up splitting the difference quite well. I thought it was very, very funny. A lot of funny stuff in this. The buddy stuff with Pedro Pascal is probably the best in this movie. The whole undercover CIA drug dealer action movie type stuff is probably the weakest. Very rote, by the numbers, uh, action comedy stuff. But all the Nick Cage references were great. I mean, it didn't really go as deep into his filmography as I wanted to. But, like, you got, like face-off in there. You got his big stuff. You got, like, The Rock yeah. in there. You got, like, Con Air. Yeah. Earlier roles and, like, smaller roles. Like, there's things that I know went over my head because I haven't seen every Nicolas Cage movie, but I definitely know, like, there are references there. Yeah. Kind of what I was saying earlier, though, there's, like, memification of Nicolas Cage, but, like, there's there's a great film Twitter joke in there with the whole, like, padding in two thing that I think yeah. people, like, from film Twitter would really enjoy. And, and I think it was the right choice to, like, not just be kind of a look back at his career but a look at movies in general which i i really enjoyed yeah it even got like some mandy in there face off mm-hmm. yeah. um raising arizona uh yeah it, it's fun leaving las vegas uh it's just a big tour of nicholas cage's storied career i guess and it's much funnier yeah. than i thought it was gonna be it's it's actually mm-hmm. very funny there's one point in the movie where they're like going through pedro pascal's little museum of his items yeah. or whatever like memorabilia from his movies and i'm like there's one where it's those green balls from the rock in that cradle and i was like <laughs> like the nerve i was like dude balls, i want yeah. that that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> what else is in that? i think the mandy axe is in there yeah it's in that and like you know yeah. the golden guns from the golden uh, guns from face off Face off. So yeah, you got you got a lot of great references in there. A couple other things I just really want to mention quickly, as fast as I can, is keeping with the Apple TV Plus thing. I did watch the first season of the After Party. The Chris Miller without pretty much Phil Lord. I mean, even though Phil Lord I think directs one of the episodes and mm. or writes one of the episodes, I can't remember which. But yeah, this is like a Chris Miller without Phil Lord thing. Basically, what it is, it's a high school reunion for the class of 2006, which makes me really feel old because i was a class of 2004 
so they come back together for their class reunion and you know one of their um, classmates is a international superstar and he's played by Dave Franco and then he's murdered the whole season is a who done it who at this after party basically murdered Dave Franco right and each episode is a look back at the night each character gets to retell the events of the night in a different style each one really modeled after a different kind of movie style you know there's an episode that's a musical there's an episode that's a horror movie there's an episode that is uh, an animated movie there's an episode where it's a rom-com as a movie fan i had a lot of fun with it i think it does drag on a little long uh, season wise i think like it could have probably done with maybe being like two episodes less and maybe just like six episodes instead. I think it's eight or nine. Mm. But overall, I had a lot of fun. Glad it's been picked up for a second season and the second season cast looks great. I mean, they're adding John Cho to the second season, Zach Woods, uh, Poppy Lou, Jack Whitehall. Is it funny though? Yeah, I, I found the show pretty funny. Like, I don't think it's like overly laugh out loud funny. But I, I do love the humor that's tied to like movies. Ike Barinhold this season gets like an action movie episode, which I thought was really funny. And I actually do think the rom-com episode is pretty funny because I like rom-coms. Uh-huh. I think if you're a movie fan, if you like comedies, I, I think this is worth checking out. Like just have it kind of in the background. And um, I do think it's pretty interesting. Not to spoil anything too much, but they are bringing back cast members from the first season to the second season. Like Tiffany Haddish is coming back. Sam Richardson and... Zoe Chow's character are going to be coming back for a second season. So I think it's worth checking out, honestly. Yeah. Um, I have also been watching the HBO show Winning Time, uh, which surprisingly enough, I thought like no one was going to watch besides me. But then to find out like it's something like all my coworkers have been watching and like a lot of people have been watching, which was like a pleasant surprise. You know, like I thought the show was going to be something like, oh, I really like because, you know, I'm a Lakers fan. So I'm like, of course, I'm going to like this and nobody else is right. Everyone hates the Lakers. Um, But I found it to be quite good. I think it's like the best thing that has Adam McKay's name on it in a long time. Oof. (laughs) It's very much in the style of the things he's done the last decade, right? Starting from like The Big Short and then Vice and then Don't Look Up. It's very much in that vein where it's very satirical and it's very wink at the audience and like break the fourth wall. Like all those things that they do in all those movies. He takes that style and incorporates it into this show, right? But I think it works much better in this show because where I think things like Vice and Don't Look Up He's trying to do this very kind of serious take on like politics and or climate change. I think this is way more fun when it's less serious, right? It's like it's about something that doesn't really matter. It's about the first year that Magic Johnson came in and like Jerry Buss came in and like took over the Lakers. It's not very serious and it kind of treats it that way. I think that kind of humor works a lot better when it's a subject matter that isn't so heavily weighted. This is like the 80s Lakers, right? Yeah. So this is like the 80s Lakers and... I mean, I think it's really great. I mean, like a really good example is like one of my favorite things of this season is like there's a point where Larry Bird's Celtics get eliminated from the the playoffs. He's like doing an interview on the TV, but then he looks directly at the camera and, and he's basically talking to Magic Johnson. He's like, I'm coming for you, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> wait till next year. And then Magic Johnson's like, I'll see you then. Right? Like, it, that's the kind of humor that you get. And I think it actually really works for the show. And um, I really enjoyed it. I mean. Helps that he didn't write it. <laughs> yes, it helps that I, I think that he doesn't direct every episode. Probably helps that he didn't write every episode. Um, I think he's I think just it, executive producer. 
don't think he directed or oh he directed he, the he pilot. directed the first episode. Yeah. And I believe he helped to write some of the episodes, but most of it, yeah, he was more of a showrunner and kind of executive producer and handed it off. So I think it benefits from that. Because you definitely get most of those Adam McKay flares in that very first episode. Mm. You kind of lose it in the middle, and then it comes back heavily in the last two episodes. It's kind of a roller coaster where there's ups and downs of all those, like, the kind of flares. So, like, you don't get too tired of them. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I'm really looking forward to a second season because it's basically setting up, like, a Lakers-Celtics, you know, matchup, which is... Um, as a fan of the Lakers, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. Wasn't there some controversy with the show and the players or the coaches? Because I initially was like kind of excited about this, and then I heard that there was some controversy about it. So I was like, hey, all right, I'll wait and see if it turns out to be any good. So a, a lot was, of the controversy revolves around like I don't think the showrunners or the show or HBO didn't really get any permission from either the NBA and or the Lakers to really do this show, right? It's not like it's executive produced by Magic Johnson or the Bus family or anyone involved with the Lakers, right? Like a lot of this is based on a book called, I believe, uh, Winning Timer. And then it's basically like firsthand accounts from like other people that were involved in the development of Lakers and like also like other athletes and people in that world. But it really dramatizes a lot of the characters i mean like the biggest one probably gets the the worst rap is the jerry west character in the season he's kind of like the one that i think has been the most vocal out of all the real life people but also the most if you watch this show like it's understandable why he he doesn't want to be like seen in such a negative light but it's not a documentary right it's just a dramatization of what's happened and like even the show says like these aren't exactly the sequence of events this is for tv right but they also have the support of real life people that have said like he's kind of like that there is some sprinkles of truth in what they've shown but i mean this is like a fad now these true crime true scandal shows based on real people and real events and i think that's like a criticism a lot of people like the real people who are involved in like these scandals and crimes they come out and they're like well you guys are taking like way too many liberties with the story. That's not what it was like. Assassinating my character and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just the territory. I mean, I'm not super into this trend of these true crime shows and movies. I think uh, there's just way too many of them. You've got like The Dropout, We Crashed. Yeah. There's that Uber one on um, Showtime. There's also Winning Time and now uh, The Staircase on HBO. The Staircase is actually pretty good. I don't know if you guys have watched it, but... But isn't there a little controversy around that one, too? Yeah, there's controversy around that one, too, because they made a documentary about that case, and they incorporate the filmmakers of that documentary into the show, which is really interesting. But then they take a little liberty with things here and there, and then now the filmmakers of that documentary are like, oh, you're not exactly portraying us in a very ethical light so there's controversy mm-hmm. there too but that story's good i would actually suggest you guys watch the staircase i mean you can either okay. watch the documentary or the show and you've seen both i've seen both because the story is just too crazy to like <laughs> to not get engrossed in it's such a mm-hmm. insane story i don't know if you guys know anything about it i kind of know a little bit about it but i mean i guess if i want to preserve any kind of mystery of watching the show or like shock value maybe i shouldn't know more about it (laughs) yeah i have heard that you know because it was a documentary that was made like over 10 years ago right like or something like that it was like it's made a long time ago and there was like multiple parts 
But then now this is like a, a serialized drama version of it. But then it also takes into account the documentary, right? Like all of yeah. a sudden you you actually see a documentary crew come into their lives to like yeah. document what happened. And yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. Yeah, the original documentary is almost like 20 years old now. And then they had an oh, update. Oh shit, is it? Okay. Yeah, they had an update in 2012 to 2013 when he appealed like the verdict, mm. Michael Peterson. So it's it's crazy. Lots of theories. I've been hearing good things about it. Definitely interested. I might have to check this out. The last thing I probably want to mention, and this will be super quick, is Hacks. Season 2 is back, and I'm very much still in love with this show. Uh, this is, I think, one of the best comedies out right now. It's on HBO, and you know, it starts Gene Smart, uh, who plays Santa Comedian, who had a residency in Vegas, and then now is having to go back on the road and fight for her comedic life. And I think it is quippy. It is... One of the best things I think I've seen Jean Smart in. She's amazing in it. And uh, I don't want to give too much away, but if you are looking for just a good, hilarious comedy that has two great female leads and really balances the comedy and emotional dynamic between a, a woman who's nearing the end of her career, but then also kind of juxtaposed to someone who's like, you know, like a millennial trying to start her career. Like, I think it's a really great dynamic. And um yeah I, I definitely would recommend this highly i i am in love with this show neither of you guys seen first season huh no you mentioned it in our last what we we're watching episode but i never actually got a chance to catch up with it but i love gene smart so i'm eager to catch up with this show because i only heard great things about it but yes i think that's all the things i wanted to bring up so wh what about you guys what have you guys been watching there's just too much good tv out right now <laughs> i know right a lot of my stuff was more tv than movies right yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about movies, and I feel like we don't talk enough about TV, but mm -hmm. I think maybe Apple TV is having, like, the best run so far. It's got, like, so much good stuff on it. Um, I'm enjoying a lot of the stuff on there. Two things I talked about were on Apple yeah. TV+, Plus, so it's like... I'm watching that new Elizabeth Moss show, Shining Girls. I'm not quite sure if I'm, like, completely in love with it yet, but it's interesting so far. It's based on a novel by this author named Lauren Bukes, and it is a, I don't know if this will give it away, but it's kind of like a sci-fi show. It's about this woman who is stalked by a time-traveling serial killer oh. played by Jamie Bell. And basically, he goes around stalking different women and then murdering them across different time periods. And Elizabeth Moss is the one who survives the attack. And she's trying to uncover, like, the mystery behind the killer's, like, methodology and stuff. It's really interesting. It plays a lot into, like, uh, mental illness because of the changes in the timeline. You think, like, she's going insane because at the beginning of the first episode, she has a dog. And then something happens and then she comes back and it's become a cat. There's, like, a co-worker that she never really talks to and then when she comes home one episode uh that coworker is like her husband and she's like what the fuck is going on so there's a lot of like mind fuckery in this show and the co-lead is a uh, wagner mora who played pablo escobar on narcos oh, nice. and they both work at the chicago tribune so they're journalists and they're trying to uncover this uh time-traveling serial killer mystery. It's pretty interesting. I like it. I don't know how it's going to wrap up. Is there a cult aspect to the show? Is there like a cult or something in the show? I don't think so. Not yet, at least. Okay. 
There's been five episodes. Yeah, so I read one of the early reviews of this show, and uh, the reviewer was like, I forget who it is, but like they were complaining that like, oh, like, there's like some kind of cult aspect to the show, and it's uncomfortable because of Elizabeth Moss's like real life connection with Scientology or something like that. I don't know. I was wondering if you'd heard anything about this. If there's anything, yeah. Okay, so you have no idea what the hell this is about. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's only six episodes in the season, so if they're going to introduce a cult thing. I don't think they've done it yet. All right, so maybe I, I'm misinterpreting the read. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Elizabeth Moss keeps that shit, like, separate. Pre-siloed from her career. From, yeah, from her, like, professional career. So, like, I don't know. I, I mean, between Elizabeth Moss and Tom Cruise, I feel like maybe there's some merit to Scientology, man. It's giving us good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> If it means I can fly my own jet plane, yeah, sure, let's go. <laughs> Tom Cruise just won the honorary Palm d'Or. I can so yeah. um, get out, really. I yeah, dude, this. standing ovation for Top Gun Maverick. Get out of here. That's awesome. Very exciting. Well deserved. I feel even with his Scientology and stuff, he's the last of his kind. He's like uh, the last bastion of analog spectacle, right? Like, there's no one like him, but. Elizabeth Moss is great too, so watch stuff with Scientology. So, yeah, so we Dianetics. <laughs> I was going to say, when you described this show, it reminded me a little bit of like Invisible Man, right? Like something that's yeah. kind of like, yeah, like yeah, this yeah. silent, like similar. invisible predator, kind it's of gaslighting similar. her in a way. <laughs> so are you saying that this person travels back in time and also like fucks with her? Like, is he changing time, like history? Yes. That, like, he can, like, influence someone to be her husband? No, he's not doing it on purpose because she's aware of things and then it's very complicated. But he's not fucking with her reality on purpose. It's the interaction they have together which leads to that. I see. Interesting. I feel like he can, like, enter and exit time periods at will. So it's very, very confusing at times <laughs> and like a time travel story like most people would be affected by his time travel and then it would just be like normal to them you know me or you but for some reason she's able to see the differences is that what you're saying yes like somehow what he's doing doesn't affect her yes and a lot of that has to okay. do with her surviving the attack oh, okay and her being able to like put the pieces of the serial killings together because in the beginning, he doesn't know that she lived, right? So mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that does sound pretty interesting. I think a lot of it depends on how it's going to wrap up, but I love time travel shit, so this was right on my alley, and I liked it. Nice. I watched uh, Slow Horses, which was this spy thriller show with Gary Oldman, and he says it's going to be probably his last role before he retires, which is, uh, which is big news. I, I like Gary Oldman a lot, and... This show is about an offshoot of MI5 and all the agents in this subsection of MI5. It's called the Slough House. They're all agents who are fuck-ups, so they made huge mistakes in their <laughs> careers and they get shuffled off into a Slough House to do grunt work, paperwork. Gary Oldman's character, he's like a huge dick. He's terrible to his employees and they uncover... This huge conspiracy in England with MI5, and they try to unravel everything. If you like spy thrillers, you would like this. It's a pretty good show. Easy watch, six episodes. You finish it in like two or three already? days. Yeah, it's all out. 
So is this for those Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy fans? or It's a little more fleet than Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. But that's a good call because Gary Oldman was in that too. I love Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's also a spy. It's a great movie. Dude, it's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> this is funnier and a little more easily digestible, I would say. What else have I been watching? Something uh, a lot of people have been watching. Better Call Saul, the final season. Can't believe it's the last season of this show already. Really excited and really scared to see how this show ends. Because as of this moment, I think it is better than Breaking Bad. (laughs) I know, Derek, you've never seen Breaking Bad. Nope. Something you should definitely remedy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring that up again. Yep, nope. (laughs) Yeah, next week's episode is Breaking Bad, so you better go watch it. Yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) Better watch all six seasons. Yeah, (laughs) don't think I'm going to be well next week. (laughs) Oh, and you got to finish Better Call Saul, too, so we can talk about that as well. Do a comparison. (laughs) Amir, have you watched any of Better Call Saul? Uh, A bit of season one. Maybe I finished season one, but I never got back on, I guess. I liked it, and I can see if it continues to go from strength to strength, which is what everybody says, I can see why people really love it, but it didn't immediately grip me, uh, so I just haven't been back. But I'm, I'm hearing great things. I don't know. I'm just not – I don't know if I'm constitutively like against prequels, but it's just a little bit constraining and unimaginative to be like, hey, we've got to go back to the past of – I don't know. It sounds like they did the smart thing by creating new characters who you don't know what their fate is because they're not in Breaking Bad. So, you know, that's something that I think is really smart that they've done. But also, characters that aren't in Breaking Bad, that also means that they're not in Breaking Bad. So you're like, oh, what's with these characters, right? What happens to them? Right. Do they die? Like, why are they not in Breaking Bad? Yeah, exactly. So it does give you that that aspect, which is a smart way to handle the prequel because uh, Sometimes with prequel stuff, you feel like you're boxed into continuity or whatever. Uh, or, or the mm-hmm. viewer, if you're like one of these people who cares about mysteries or continuity or what happens to this character, like, you know, you can, you can get boxed into thinking too much about that kind of stuff. But I did like it. I haven't been back. I've only ever heard effusive praise about the show. No one's ever like, oh, I saw it and it sucked. Everybody who watches it loves it. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I'm going to check out eventually. I mean, I talked about this offline yesterday a little bit with you guys, but like, I think Breaking Bad is the better water cooler show. And because I think Vince Gilligan was trying to really make something special and make something that people really wanted to watch week to week, that he was creating these explosive water cooler moments that everyone wants to talk about. And now that he's comfortable and in the groove and He's pretty much given carte blanche now with the show, Better Call Saul, that he is making the show that maybe he's always wanted to make. It's more character-driven, a little more humor-driven. It's still got the cartel stuff. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito's back as Gus Fring. Mike Ehrmantraut is back, too. So uh, a lot of recurring characters, but also new ones like Kim Wexler, played by Ray Seahorn. Everyone's like, if anything happens to Kim, we're going to fucking riot, (laughs) you know? But... I don't know, Bob Odenkirk is fantastic as Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman. Michael Mondo is great, too. He's one of the cartel members who gets a lot of screen time on this series, and like his arc is just fantastic. Yeah, so this show's really fucking good. I can't sing its praises enough, so... How many episodes are left, Jeff? Uh, there's one more for next week, and then they're taking a break. Uh, so next week is the mid-season finale, and then they're doing... Maybe another six? 
afterwards, and then that's it. Oh, so this is not even the series finale. This is like a next week. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, I thought it was like the end. End. I thought no, we were no, it's the, the mid season okay. finale. Yeah, got yeah, it. There's okay, still a bunch it. left. But the series finale is in six episodes or whatever, right? Like, this yeah, is the yeah. Final it's, this, it's soon. This yeah, year, so but it's, it's, it's split into two. It's not yeah, right okay. now. Another thing I've been watching uh, this time on HBO Max is Tokyo Vice. Uh, have you guys been watching that? No. Man, when I saw that What's His Name is the lead, I was just like, not interested. <laughs> Ansel even though, like, I was interested. Even though I was like super interested. And then I saw it was him. And I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but then I hear it's good, right? You gotta yeah, let me know. Yeah, it kind of sours the thing because he's in it and he's such a piece of shit. But I'm sorry to say he's fucking good at it, you know? You can't even say... This is like West Side Story. It was like, oh, he sucks. He's like the worst part of it. So whew, I don't have to defend him or anything. But sorry to say, he's actually pretty good in the show. Take that how you will. Yeah. He's good as the lead, Jake Edelstein. And it's about a real life New York Times reporter who delves into the Yakuza underworld. And the show is created by Michael Mann. And he directed the first episode. And the show's very good, actually. I was pleasantly surprised by how engrossing the show was, even though you can definitely tell that Michael Mann did not direct anything past the first episode. (laughs) Does it feel like Michael Mann after the episode he directs? It feels a lot less like Michael Mann after the first episode. Mm, There's a lot of Michael Mann flavor in the first episode. I was like, wow, this was really good. And then uh, it kind of tapers off after the first episode, but... But it's good. The mystery's good. The story's good. The acting is strong. If anything, Ansel Algord, he plays like doofy white dude in a Japanese newspaper. And he plays that up pretty well. But I like how it explores the Japanese criminal underworld. I don't know if we needed to have it through the lens of a white guy, but that's the book that it's based on. So, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And is it set in a particular time period? Yes. I think the late 90s. All right, may, maybe, maybe I'll go back. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like they dumped the show, though, because they released two episodes at a time, and HBO never does that. Mm. Like, week to week. Like, every week they release two episodes, so I don't know. It does not bode well for a second season, but uh, there's a big cliffhanger, so I'm hoping that they at least get to wrap things up a little bit. Yeah, just don't go in expecting Michael Mann flavor throughout. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> what else have I been watching? This new Amazon show called Outer Range, which stars uh, Josh Brolin, and it is a- another sci-fi show. It is like a cross between Yellowstone and Lost, I guess. <laughs> Lots of cross-pollination with Lost this episode, I guess. I'm seeing a theme with a lot of the things you've been watching lately, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is about a cattle ranching family who finds a giant mysterious hole on their property. And it is like a weird wormhole through time. And they're trying to figure out what the fuck the deal with this hole is. And there's like a warring ranching family that they have like property disputes with, a Native American sheriff, a good mystery box show. I liked it a lot. Didn't really answer any of the questions that I had during the first season, but... I don't know. I feel like a lot of shows are just like that. Kind of string you along with the mystery until the season finale, you know? <laughs> but the acting's strong. I like the show. Uh, I feel like this kind of went 
buy without any fanfare. No one really knows about it. I feel like that's like how a lot of Amazon shows are. Yeah. Except yeah. for maybe The Boys. You know, The Boys seems to have this kind of like whole. Yeah, The people, Boys is like, like the biggest Yeah, it's good. show that they've got. It is good. Do these all drop one or two episodes a week? All the Amazon shows? They are now, yeah. I think they've kind of learned their lesson about. I think it's a uh, much better model, right? Because it, it's it, it so does much keep, better, dude. It, does, it just keeps you engaged week to week, as opposed to if it drops all at once. And then, like, I don't know, people start talking about the end and shit, and you're just like, all right, whatever. And, like, it's a lot to binge, so it feels like it's a lot of work up front or whatever. If it's just one episode a week, you're like, all right, I can do this. I don't know. Well, it's it's just, isn't Amazon's thing where they do, like, a three-episode premiere, and then they do a right, yeah. one, one by one? It's yeah. a good middle ground, Mix. I think. I think they do, like, two to three episodes, and then the rest is, like, yes. week to week. Yeah, I think that's a good model. Like you get like a good chunk to see if you really like the show, right? And then if you want to keep staying on, then you you come back every week, which I think is a good model. Yeah, I, I wish Netflix wasn't so stubborn sometimes with the way it releases some of its things. Yeah, I think I, I wonder how long the Stranger Things <laughs> discourse is going to last this time. You know, like you watch thirty five year olds in high school wigs for ten hours, and then no one talks about it. I'm just kidding. I'm exaggerating. They're still <laughs> young. But these kids are – they're pushing it. They're pushing it. They're not looking like real high school kids anymore, you know? But that's another show that should have ended like after season two. But Netflix is not doing so hot. They're having lots of problems. So yeah, they fired a bunch of people. They axed their publication, a bunch of their diversity initiatives too. Uh, their animation arm is getting the axe to a lot of animators lost their jobs this week as well. So I don't know, but still got Stranger Things. Every episode costs thirty million dollars. Get out of here! Isn't is that, that ridiculous? A real or yeah, is no, that a no, real number. That's a real number. Yeah, yeah real number. Fuck real number. out of here! You could do one less episode of Stranger Things and probably let people keep their jobs. I don't know. <laughs> Fund the rest of Netflix now. Um. So, Stranger Things is, like, the equivalent of a blockbuster movie. Yeah, I would say so. In funding. Well, it's $30 million yeah, a year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. $30 million an yeah. episode. I'm sorry. For how many episodes? A huge blockbuster. Not even, like... Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. That's enormous. a big budget blockbuster. Does it that's, do like, $300 those, million. Dollars. Does it do the numbers to justify that? I Probably no does. Idea. I'll be honest. I haven't followed that show since the first season. I... Me neither. I mean, it was fine, but I, I wasn't like blown away enough to be like, oh, I got to keep watching this season after season. I am caught up, but out of obligation, not out of <laughs> <laughs> wanting to. I'm like pot committed, I guess. Yeah. Mm. People are talking about the show, so like, I don't know. I might actually just skip this season. I don't fucking know. It comes oh. out soon. What about you, Amir? What have you been watching? I got something that is not even a show that is currently on TV. That's completely random. Uh, this one's an animated one. I just saw all of the Berserk anime. I don't know. Either of you guys seen this or even heard of this? I've watched the old one years and years and years ago. Oh, did ago. you? So yeah. That's what I saw. This is the 1997 one I saw. Okay. Is the that original. The original. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah, the new yeah. one. No, not the new one. No, it's the original that I okay. saw. Because I remember people saying the new one is bad. Yeah, people have said it's bad, so I like I haven't I haven't pushed on to see it, but I don't know, I might I might try it, dip my toe in, see if it's any good. But yeah, the nineteen ninety seven one is Is a, the new one a remake or is it a continuation? It is I think it's a sort of a continuation. Like, I think it tackles a different part of the story, is my understanding. Mm. 
So I think it is a continuation. You kind of yeah. had to see this first before you should see uh, that, right? I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. Uh, you could probably just jump in. I mean, you, you would mm-hmm. need backstory filled in, but I'm sure they do that. I don't know. I think there were some questions about like the fidelity to the level of uh, story and to the level of art. Like The art wasn't really living up to the art of the manga. So basically, Berserk is this... It's like a dark fantasy manga about a, a swordsman traveling this world. Sort of a... I don't know, late medieval world, they have cannons, but, you know, otherwise it's uh, guys in swords and armor. And it's uh, just a really, really dark, dark fantasy show, very fucked up. It's Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones sort of vibe in terms of the darkness level. And uh, I don't know, I just, I found it really fun. I've been hearing a lot of references to Berserk a lot lately. This game, Elden Ring, that just came out a couple months ago, I played that, and that has a lot of references to it. Um, I just read a book. Oh, interesting. Takes a lot of inspiration from it. Um, it's a, called Between Two Fires by Christopher Bielman. It's a dark fantasy book I just read. It was really good, but it also it has Berserk vibes. Berserk-influenced things kept popping up, so I, was like, I should just watch it. So I did watch it. It's uh, If you're into old anime, you know, to give Berserk a shot, it's... Uh, it's good. It's really, really bleak. If you like bleak things, you'll not be disappointed. Um, the ending is very good. The ending is like... Uh, what, what were you saying? Had, a, had an amazing ending earlier, Jeff? Severance. Severance? Yeah, but what did you compare it to? You're saying it had the ending of like Lost or something? Yeah, Lost. Yeah, so I'd say this is like a shield level ending. This is, the ending of this is really, really good. Shield level, okay, all right. Jaw-dropping stuff. Berserk ending is crazy. Consider me intrigued. And the episodes are really, really short. I mean, it's only 25 episodes. It's not one of these, you know, 800 episode long anime series. So you can really plow through it very quickly. And I did. Yeah, really good. Really worth checking out. I'm looking at it on HBO Max. The HBO Max one has two seasons. They're the 2016 and 2017. So this is the new one. Yeah, that's the new one. That's probably not the one you want to see. <laughs> yeah, so that's one thing I watched. Super just... Uh, I was finally time to check it out. So yeah, definitely go back and watch that if you're an anime person you haven't seen that yet. What else am I watching? Watching what haven't finished Halo series. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so are you caught up? <laughs> no, I dropped it, I think, after episode three or yeah, four. I was also struggling with it, but I plan to go back and finish. Can we talk about this? What's, what's the deal with Halo? Sure. Why is Halo so bad? Because spoiler alert is bad. Why isn't it hitting, man? Because I like Halo. I like the games. I even read some of the books. Like, Halo fucking owns. Like, I love Halo. But so why Why is the show not giving you that same sense? It's cheap, man. Just doesn't look good. I also think it's trying to build out this world that is not interesting, right? Like, it's trying to, like, incorporate all these characters that are, like, not Master Chief that I just absolutely don't care about. Mm. I don't even remember that. I mean, I haven't watched it for like two or three episodes now, but like the Korean actress that she like leaves on a separate island with one of his other uh, Spartans that mm-hmm. their side story is not interesting. I think this human that's on the side of the covenant. Yeah, the covenant is like thing. Yeah. Not interesting. I mean, it's I honestly idea. would just. It's an interesting idea in isolation, but they just don't do anything cool with it. I don't know. Fucking Halo is about fucking shooting covenants. Like, doing cool shit, and, like, it's a story about this fucking murder machine, right? Like, it's basically a a weapon of mass destruction, and, like, this show's way more interested in, like, his backstory, and, like, I don't even know if it's anywhere close to revealing, like, the actual Halo ring, or, like, why the show's fucking called Halo. They get to it by the end. They will, they they, they are about to get to it. You think so? By the end of the season, yeah. Yeah, Okay. 
they're gonna get it. But like, I, I don't know. Like, Halo's about you being a badass and you stopping the destruction of the galaxy, right? And I just don't think we're anywhere near that. I love character development, right? Like anything, I love character development. But like, I think that the show just like that, that's all it seems to care about. And like, not really like the overarching story of like what makes Halo, Halo. And I think that's a little bit frustrating to me. Fair cop. I, li- I actually like the criticism. I think, yeah, the action being sort of unsatisfying and cheap looking is definitely a big part of it. Like if it felt, if it felt the way the game's played, you'd just be, you'd enjoy the experience more the way you enjoy a good action or martial arts movie. And you can't enjoy it on the level because it just doesn't look good. I feel like the cutscenes from the games look better than this shit. (laughs) (laughs) They look so bad. I think his suit looks pretty cool. Full armored in his suit. It does. It looks pretty good, right? Even the other Spartans look pretty good. It's just when you add in like the Covenant, the aliens and stuff, like man, it starts to get real choppy and really bad. It looks really bad. So I don't know anything about Halo lore. You know, and from what I gather is that this show is like completely unfaithful to like Halo lore and it just does whatever the fuck it wants. I can't say anything to it because I don't know the game story or whatever. So maybe it was a smart choice for them to depart from the actual lore of the story of the games. But like, I don't know, like, did people play these games for the story? I feel no, like they did not. No, People <laughs> didn't play the games for the story, and the story wasn't particularly, like, great. The best. Yeah, yeah it's not an amazing Agreed. story. It's kind of a cardboard cutout for you to have awesome, like, action game plan. So, I understand them not doing that, like, doing something of their own, but, like, yeah, it you feels still bad. <laughs> it still feels yeah. flimsy. You still somehow need it to appeal to the diehards. Because a lot of the people who are going to be yeah, like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Halo show, I love Halo. Like, th- those are your guaranteed butts and seats, right? So, like, you want everyone who likes and played Halo, which is, like, a billion people, right? You want all of those mm-hmm. people to be watching your show. So, if the fans of Halo don't watch this show, and like, who is going to like it? You know what I mean? Like, But those are also the people who are going to get the most mad when you fuck it up, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, you obviously have to change it. It's not a game. It's a TV show. and You do have to flesh things out and change things. But I don't know. You still have to somehow appeal to those people who like Halo for what it was. One interesting thing I read, and I don't remember where it was, but it was just like, like if they just done this show like 20 years ago, it would have done gangbusters, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But now it's just like, it's too late. It kind of maybe missed its moment. And then like... I don't know, you would think the technology getting better and better, you'd be better and better able to have a more visually satisfying Halo world, but it seems like, I don't know, maybe the trade-off of waiting wasn't worth it, or maybe people just have, I don't know, they have Marvel movies now, they don't need Halo, uh, they don't need a Halo property to get their big budget CGI action kind of On a streaming platform that no one really has. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's, yeah, so it's, it's tough, um... I don't know. It's just, I'm a little sad for Halo because you always you always want these things to do well. Apparently, Master Chief fucks in this, and he's not supposed to fuck. Is that what he does? People are mad <laughs> well, about Master Chief is also you don't know what Master Chief was supposed to look like. You you know what I mean? He never takes off his mask, or at least you never see him. He's take a never nude and a vol cell. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My one thing I was going to say is like I don't mind that he takes off his mask. Like I think. That's fine. Like, I don't care that he, he does that. I think they could have played it more like the Mandalorian. It'd just be like one moment that he takes off his mask versus it's like they don't want to commit to having like 
the mask on at all times. Right, and it's like, that's and, the iconic yeah. images of him in the fucking mask. Like, yeah. that's the guy to us. I feel like shows that adhere to, like, keeping people's faces under helmets and masks, like, that's basically for video games. That's to help your immersion into that character, right? Mm-hmm. But for, like, a TV show, you want to be able to, like, relate to, like, the human under the fucking thing. You you don't want to be... yeah. Be more like a faceless dude. You need, the the whole, you need face. it. That's why in any medieval thing, they don't always have their fucking visors down or whatever. Like, yeah, in real life, you yeah. get a lance through the face, but you need to see the actors' faces. So, yeah, yeah I, t- I get where you're coming I, from, Jeff, totally. But then, like, if the appeal of the character is the the mask or the helmet or whatever, how do you strike that balance? Because it seems like, I don't know, it seems like taking the mask off ruins it for I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, for me, it's like Master Chief is Master Chief. You know, he looks like the guy who's always in the helmet, like I've never seen his face. And like, I understand where you're coming from, Jeff, but I disagree. Like on this particular like character, I think I have to disagree. It's Master Chief. You kind of ruined the illusion of Master Chief. You're just guaranteeing me that I'll never give a shit about Master Chief. About the character, (laughs) right. Because there's no face. There's no acting. There's no one to attach to. It's just this faceless thing. I totally get what you're saying, Jeff, but I... I mean, I watched the first episode and I was like, that's enough of that. <laughs> Honestly, I watched this at South by Southwest. They had like a whole event and I would have watched less, but I literally could not leave. So like, I was like... Oh, <laughs> 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 oh man. I was like sitting in, in the middle with people next to me oh. and I felt like it would be rude for me to like fucking... Oh, doing more damage bounce. to the Master Chief than the Covenant ever could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's rough, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, unfortunately, so far, it's not good. I, I, I don't think they're going to be able to turn around, and I don't know. I don't know. Is it like a video game adaptations are hard? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. It seems like so thinly populated. It feels like people doing cosplay and not like an actual show. Like, they didn't have the budget to like fill out this world convincingly, I feel. Yeah, I don't know. They don't have that avatar money to make the CGI look completely lifelike. They don't have that Disney money? I don't know. Disney shit doesn't always look that good. It's that Avatar money, baby. It's that uh, that James Cameron. You need to be on that James Cameron shit. Amir, they're the same money now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck me. All right. I mean, to talk about the CGI stuff a little bit, I feel like CGI is not all about money. It's about time, I think. If you look at the Marvel stuff, like the earlier Marvel stuff, I was just looking at like a Twitter thread like, a lot of, like, the older Marvel stuff looks way better than the Marvel stuff now. Like, the CG in Iron Man 1 is kind of a lot better than a lot of the shit we are getting, like, recently. Just look back at, like, 2019, there were three Marvel projects. And then between 2021 and 2022, there are 17. How insane Jesus is Christ. that? Wait, say that again? What? There are 17 Marvel Cinematic Universe things between 2021 and 2022. Not even all of 2021. That's That's insane. Because the first thing in Phase 4 was Black Widow, I want to say. And then between then, which was last summer, until the end of this year, there are 17 Marvel things that are coming out. Or have already come out. Wow. And they're just stretched thin. Like, the She-Hulk thing looks bad. I think the show actually looks pretty fun, but the CG looks bad. Uh, the, the trailer just came out, but a lot of people were reacting to it. They're like, this doesn't look so great. I was like, just paint her green and do uh, Gandalf her ass or Buddy the Elf, <laughs> you know? Like, force perspective, make everyone small, make her huge. Uh, the CG's <laughs> looking 
pretty cheap. Rough. So. That yeah. hobbit shit. And then people are like, oh, it's a, a rough draft. Just wait until the actual thing comes out. And then people always say that for like never true. And then it's never true, right? I feel like that's never true. Like, oh, just wait until the final product. The final product is always the same as. Uh, except for Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> people complained about the teeth. They changed the teeth and they got themselves a hit. It's called Listen they to the Fans, baby. They changed the whole thing about that character. I'll yeah. give them props for listening to the fans. But to Jeff's point, that was time also because they pushed they had to push back it back and run their yeah, because of they it. did yeah they did and it paid off because these movies made a shit ton of money uh, both of those movies made a yeah. ton of money yeah now you have a great gag in the new Chip and Dale movie too so oh <laughs> uh, yeah ugly Sonic huge character in that movie <laughs> is he really so funny actually pretty oh, funny oh sweet <laughs> all right I'm looking forward to that <laughs> sorry spoilers anybody. <laughs> Yeah, the movie's not even out. The movie's out on the 20th, but Ugly Sonic is a character in that movie. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But I look at James Cameron with the new Avatar. That CG looks incredible. Just like the water simulation and like the interaction between the, what are they called? The Navi and like the water. It looks fantastic. That's what you get when you have 13 years to work on. One movie. <laughs> when you press render 13 years ago, yeah, of course that one. Yeah. So As opposed to She-Hulk, you press render like a week ago. And like, <laughs> yeah, a week ago. It's like, it's oh, we need a trailer. Out the door. Render. <laughs> I've been talking about it with, with you guys and some friends. It looks a little rough. I hope the show is still good. Like, I like Tatiana Maslany as an actress. So I do too. I'm looking forward to it. And it doesn't look great when you put her... Like right next to like the Hulk, which I think it's because they already have this character. They have model. like the character model, yeah, yeah. It looks so bad when she's like standing next to like Bruce Banner's Hulk. Yeah. Anything else you've been watching, Amir? Or there's some other stuff we've been talking about. There's so long I can barely talk about them. Like I don't know how long ago was The Witcher. Like that's so long I don't even really remember what I thought. Oh was. yeah. Did either of you guys see that? Both of you saw it. I like the second season of The Witcher, maybe more than the first one. It was good. I think I agree. Yeah. Did you see it, Derek? No. No, I have. I'm not seeing either season. I'm oh, I haven't sorry. seen either season. Okay, so Breaking Bad <laughs> and The Witcher. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, that's, I guess if you already know you like The Witcher, you know you like The Witcher, you've already seen the season, but yeah, it's good. Definitely worth checking out if you're a fantasy person at all. Like, it's pretty good stuff. Um, it's not uh, Game of Thrones, but uh, it definitely, it's definitely fun. Yeah. You know, the second season had a lot more, like, Monster of the Week stuff. You know, it's funny because, like, before, I used to, like, hate Monster of the Week stuff. I was like, oh, I just want the main story. I want, like, the serialized stuff. Yeah. But now, yeah. like, everything's just so serialized that I have a newfound appreciation for, like, Freak of the Week episodes, you know? This stuff's really good when a show's, like, you just flick the TV on and catch a random episode or something, and it's great. Like, that's so cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, like a self-contained 45-minute story. I like that. Yeah. You said you liked the new Star Trek? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, if you want to talk more about stuff that's more one-and-done stories, the new Star Trek is good. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, it's about Captain Pike on the Enterprise, played by Black Bolt himself, Anson Mount. (laughs) He's great on that show, by the way, because he was a character on Discovery. And so he plays Captain Pike, uh, Rebecca Romaine reprises her role as number one yeah it's it's a good show like there's only been two episodes so far tomorrow is going to be the third episode so let's see how that goes but first two episodes were self-contained stories they were pretty fun actually 
I think these new Star Trek shows have always been trying to do too much, and this is quite refreshing. I, I liked both of these. Surprise characters on it, too. Spock is back. Ethan Peck reprising his role from Discovery. Also, there's a La'an Nunyan Singh, who's like a relative of Khan. <laughs> She's on the crew, too, which is really interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with that character. There's also a bit of serialized like through line with this, with uh, Pike. You know, in like, I don't know if it was like the first or second season of Discovery, uh, he has a vision of him getting paralyzed. You know, because that's like his fate in like Star Trek lore, like the mythology or whatever. So he's grappling with the knowledge that he has of getting his shit ruined, you know? So uh, I think that's interesting too. But uh, yeah, I think someone said in an interview that a lot of the first season or the show in general is going to be like standalone episodes, uh, not as serialized. And I like that. I like the concept of just strange new worlds, like encountering weird shit in space, you know? I, I like that. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? I think that's it. Okay. Well, if that is it, that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me clockwork orange and Derek, so you can watch Breaking Bad finally. <laughs> What about you, Derek? Yeah. <laughs> you can find me not watching those series. Uh, no. <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. You can find me at World's OKS Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcasts out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Let us know what you've been watching, and maybe we'll read out your mail on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.